Great job, guys. Can we thank our kids' choir one more time here as they go find their families? We are so blessed uh, by our kids' programs, by our uh, adult choirs. We are so blessed by the folks who are lowering that table right now. I try not to look at it because there's a lot of ways that could go wrong. And if it's going to, I just want to see it. So let's give thanks for them, too, because I tell you what, they just... (laughs) Let a killer worship set, and then they managed to not drop any of the things on this table. And it is not light. I can attest to the truth that it is not light. Well, welcome to worship, everyone. That's what we're here for. Okay, my name is Amanda Neppel. I am so excited to be here with all of you tonight as we celebrate Monday, Thursday. For all of you kids who are here tonight to receive your first communion, I am so excited for each and every one of you. God is up to something powerful in each and every one of you here tonight as you come forward to receive uh, this blessing and this uh, gift of grace that God has for you. And so I, uh, I'm just so glad that you're here. I, I love Monday, Thursday. This service has a very special place in my heart for a couple of reasons. The, the first one being, when I first started at Hope about 15 years ago, I worked in children's ministry, and uh, I worked with the three-year-olds through kindergartners for a while, and then I worked with the first through fifth graders for a while, and then I did curriculum for a while, and I worked in children's ministry for about seven or eight years, something like that. I got to teach this first communion class uh, a couple of times. Side note, which I'm telling this story because nobody from my family is here tonight, but one time, they were here earlier at noon and five, but... Uh, when I was teaching the first communion class and my son, oh, I gave, I wasn't going to identify him. There's only one of them. So anyway, he, (laughs) he was taking the first communion class. I was teaching it. And when they got to the, when we got to the part where they were supposed to taste the bitter herbs, my son hurled all over the table. That truly happened while I was teaching the class. And my sister was there with him because my nephew was also taking the class. And so thank you, sister, for taking care of that for me all those years ago. So that's a fun memory uh, besides, besides all this. Um, but also one of the things that uh, I love about Monday, Thursday, one of the things that's important to me is that it was during a Monday, Thursday service in 2012. And one of my kiddos was receiving their first communion. Uh, not the same one who hurled a different one. Um, was receiving her first communion, uh, and it was during that service that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was calling me to be a pastor. And so then, uh, that was in April, roughly, of 2012, and then in fall of 2012, then I began seminary and started that journey. So this service has a really special place in my heart, mostly for all of you, but for some other reasons as well. Anyway, either way, I'm just so glad to be here with all of you tonight. Uh, As we dig into Monday, Thursday, we are continuing on our journey of Holy Week. Uh, And if you remember, we started on Sunday. uh, We started with Palm Sunday when Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem. And it's down here in this picture, down here on the bottom, uh, where Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem on a donkey's colt. And Jesus entered the city as a king, a humble king for sure, but he entered the city as a king where the people saw him coming and they they waved palm branches in the air and they put the palm branches down on the ground so that Jesus could walk over them as as, uh, he rode in on that donkey's colt and they shouted Hosanna, which means God save us. The people looked at Jesus and they saw someone who they knew was going to do something big. They could look at him and they, could, they had heard the rumors about him. They had heard the stories about him. He, they believed that he could save them. They were just going to be really surprised by what kind of a king Jesus was going 
to turn out to be. So that was Sunday. And then Jesus had a pretty busy couple of days there in the city of Jerusalem. You can read about that in the Gospels, particularly Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then we get to tonight, what we call Maundy Thursday, where we celebrate the night that Jesus gathered together with the disciples And he gave the disciples what we call a new mandate. And the word Maundy, when we say Maundy Thursday, it comes from the Latin word mandatum, which means mandate or commandment. So we celebrate the night that Jesus got together with the disciples and he gave us a new commandment. And the commandment that Jesus gave us was to love one another. And Jesus did something new in that meal with the bread and the wine, and we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. But as we continue this, um, as we continue together tonight, we're going to revisit that night. But what I want to start with is I want to start with that, that idea of Monday Thursday, Mandate Thursday, where Jesus gives us a new commandment. The idea I want you to put in your back pocket is the idea of so many times we think that when Jesus gives a command that then it's something like, okay, if I'm going to be a good Christian, I have to follow this command. I have to do this thing so that Jesus will be pleased with me. But that's just not how it works. What we're going to see is in this meal and in the things that Jesus did and the things that Jesus said, what we actually see is how Jesus invites us into the abundant life that he wants to give us. Not just the abundant life that he wants to give us in eternity, while that's absolutely true, but the abundant life that Jesus wants to give us now. So I want to kind of revisit that night with you just for a little bit. I want us to kind of imagine what that was like. When Jesus gathered with the disciples that night, they were celebrating the Passover, which means that they were celebrating the time that God rescued his people from slavery. And they had a very specific way that this night was supposed to go. The entire evening is laid out. Uh, and the things that are to be said, and the way things are to be done. And so the disciples knew that that's what they were there to remember. They were there to remember the time that God saved his people from slavery in Egypt. But when they get there that night, to start off the bat, Jesus does something really, really surprising. If the disciples were going to write the story, if they were going to make something up, they would never have made this up the way that Jesus is going to do it. They couldn't have imagined it. When they get in the room that night, Jesus takes a basin of water, and this is so incredible. Jesus has this water, and Jesus kneels down. Jesus puts himself in a position of submission before the disciples. Jesus, who rode into town on a donkey's colt, the Son of God, rode into town like a king just a couple of days before that, gets down on the floor, on his knees, and he proceeds to wash the disciples' feet. Jesus literally gets his hands dirty to remove the dirt and the grime from the disciples' feet so that as they would recline and they would experience the rest of the evening, that meal that they were gathered there for, that they wouldn't be distracted by the grime and the grit between their toes. Jesus submits himself before the disciples to wash their feet. There's something that I think Jesus wants us to learn from that. Feet washing in our culture isn't exactly the same thing as it was for the disciples but in, in Jesus' day. But here's the thing. Jesus shows us in this that he was willing 
to make himself in the position of a slave. He was willing to put himself in that position. And I think what Jesus wants each and every one of us to know and what he wanted the disciples to know, that not a single one of us ever, 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 ever has the right to believe that we don't need to submit ourselves or humble, humble ourselves before another person. Jesus makes that abundantly clear. And when he says this, when, when he gets his hands dirty, washing the disciples' feet, he says, this example that I have set for you, now go and love others the way that I have loved you. Take this example and serve others the way that I have served you. Maybe you remember some of the, the discussions that Jesus had to have with the disciples because they weren't exactly sure of what it was that Jesus was up to. And they would argue with one another about who was gonna be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says to the disciples, you don't get it. That is not how the kingdom of heaven is going to be. The people who think that they are the greatest on earth, they are going to find themselves the least in the kingdom of heaven. And those who make themselves the least on earth, those who humble themselves, they will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, humbles himself and submits in front of the disciples to wash their feet. So by the time this all goes down, the disciples know that this Passover celebration is not going to play out the way that they thought it was going to. And they are absolutely right. Nothing that happens that night is going to go down the way that they expect it to, even though this night is so full of tradition and it's full of the way things are done. And everybody knows the way things are done. But Jesus, remember, is doing something new a new commandment that's a new invitation into his life. And so as they continue on with the meal that night, Jesus takes the bread. Now, kids, those of you that have taken your first communion class, you know that the bread that they had when they celebrated the Passover was unleavened bread, which, let's face it, is just a fancy word for flat, right? <clears throat> but you know, kids, when you took the class, you know why the bread was flat. The bread was flat because... When God set his people free from slavery, they did not know uh, when the hour was going to be, how all this was going to play out. So they had left their bread with the yeast in it to rise, to leaven, if you will. But they get told to leave Egypt immediately. <clears throat> and so they have to leave and they have to gather everything. And so the bread doesn't have time for the yeast to work to leaven the bread. And so the bread is unleavened. Again, the bread is just simply flat. But this is the bread that, that they would have used then as they remembered the Passover, as they remember how God freed his people from slavery. Now, there's a script. There were very specific things that were supposed to be said about the bread. Jesus takes the bread, and he thanks God for it. And then he begins to tear it. And as he tears it, he passes it out to the disciples and he says to the disciples the most interesting thing. He says to them, take and eat. This bread is my body, broken for you for the forgiveness of sins. Now, if the disciples had had to guess what Jesus was up to, they, they wouldn't have put that together in a million years. But maybe, maybe the disciples remembering, were remembering another time, a couple of times actually, where Jesus did something amazing with bread. 
A couple of times in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, you can read about how Jesus was out teaching and the people who were there to hear him, it got to the end of the day, they were hungry, and Jesus took enough bread basically to make a sandwich and used it to feed thousands and thousands of people. And not only did they just have enough to have a little bite and get by, but there was bread left over. Everyone had their bellies full and there was bread left over after all of that. So when the disciples are hearing what Jesus is saying, this is my body given for you you, the disciples are probably remembering how Jesus gave all of that bread to all of those people and there was more than enough. So even though the disciples don't exactly understand what it is that Jesus is up to, what they do know is because they've lived it, in Jesus' presence, whenever Jesus is around, there is enough. And they don't know what Jesus means about this is my body but they know that every time they've been around Jesus, Jesus has been enough, more than enough. And as this is swimming around in their heads and they're still trying to make sense of what Jesus has just done with this, Jesus goes even further and he takes the wine. (laughs) And after having just said, this is my body, broken for you. Now Jesus says, this cup, this is the new covenant in my blood. Again, the disciples would have no idea what to make of all this because keep in mind, they don't know that the cross is coming. They don't know what's going to happen on Friday. They certainly don't know what's going to happen on Sunday. And so when they hear Jesus say, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, They're thinking two things. First, they maybe have heard about that time when Jesus did a miracle with wine. That this isn't the first time that Jesus has done a miracle with wine. In John chapter 2, we know that uh, Jesus and his family went to a wedding. This is the first miracle that is recorded that Jesus did. Jesus and his family went to a wedding and they ran out of wine early in the evening. And this was going to be tragic. And there was much weeping and gnashing of teeth that the wine had run out, as you can imagine. And Jesus' mother comes to him and says, they're out of wine. You got to do something. And so Jesus has someone gather 12 jars and he has them put water in the jars and then Jesus turns the water into wine. And again, if you're the disciples and you're remembering this and you know what Jesus does with things, how when Jesus shows up, there is always enough and you've just heard him talk about the breaking of his body and there's gonna be all this bread and now you hear about this, the wine is the new covenant in his blood and again, wherever Jesus is, there's plenty for everyone. Do you remember that? How Jesus showed up and did that that amazing thing and the people couldn't believe it because not only did Jesus provide just enough wine, it was extravagant. It was, it was the best wine of the night and there was way more than anybody needed. It's not just that someone got a sip. They got as much as they wanted. And remember, they're there to celebrate Passover. So the other thing that they're thinking about is how they were set, God, their people, God's people were set free from their slavery in Egypt. And how that happened was the people were instructed to take a spotless lamb and they would have to sacrifice this spotless lamb and they had to take the blood from the lamb and put it over their door post. And then when the angel of death passed through Egypt, the Israelites who had the blood sprinkled on their doorpost were passed over by the angel of death and death didn't visit their house. So then the next morning when all this is discovered, that's how the Israelites are set free. They don't actually have to escape. They are told to go because now the Egyptians are terrified of them. 
And here is Jesus saying, remember that covenant? That covenant in blood? Jesus is saying, I'm taking it. I am the new covenant. There's something in this that we don't like to think about very much. There's just a reality of this. Whether we're talking about slavery in, uh, in Egypt or whether we're talking about sin, the cost of freedom, the cost of freedom in both of those cases, it's expensive. It requires life. It required the blood of the lamb, the unblemished lamb in Egypt. But Jesus looks at it and he says, I am enough. My blood, you won't have to think about any, that anymore because Jesus says, my blood is enough. So I am making a new promise to you that you are forgiven in this blood that is, that is poured out for you and for all people. Isn't it just like Jesus, just like what Jesus would do to take these things that are just everyday things, foot washing, bread, wine, things that people would have used every single day, and Jesus takes those things and he turns them into the thing that now we are able to look at and to see and to know that God is continually showing up for us and moving on our behalf, that we can look at these things and we can remember each and every time that God showed up, whether we're coming together in a formal way to celebrate this meal tonight or whether we just participate in eating bread. Just in eating bread, wherever you eat it, you can remember who Jesus is and what Jesus did for you. Isn't it just like Jesus to use something that we're all familiar with to get his point across? Excuse me. And isn't it just like God to get our attention in the person of Jesus, a person who we could recognize as human, a person who we could know has shared our struggles and our celebrations and all the things that we go through isn't it just like God if he wanted us to know him that he showed up as someone we could know that's exactly what happens this night in this meal in the washing of the feet in Jesus body that he broke and gave to the disciples and told them to eat it in this wine that he poured and he shed this is said this is a new covenant in my blood so that we could know and we could remember. Isn't that just like God to put it where we could find it? But the thing is this, all of these things that Jesus said and did that night, the next thing that we need to talk about is the cross. Now, I know that today is Monday, Thursday, tomorrow is Good Friday. We'll begin celebrating Easter on Saturday. So I wanna stay in my lane here tonight. We haven't gotten to those, those events yet, but the truth of the matter is, if we are talking about the things that Jesus said and did on the night that Jesus gathered with his disciples to remember the Passover, the things that he said and did to give us a new commandment, the truth of the matter is none of these things, thing, none of these things actually make much sense until we put them in the context of the cross. Until we realize that these new commandments that Jesus gave us are actually about giving us abundant life. When we come forward and we receive Jesus' body, we are given this gift of knowing that we are forgiven. And it's through knowing that we are forgiven and in knowing that Jesus is enough for whatever life is gonna throw at us, that's when we're able to experience that freedom that Jesus so willingly bought for us with his blood. And when we experience that freedom, then we know 
that Jesus has answered the question and the problems that we couldn't answer for ourselves. So yes, our eternity is taken care of, but we get to receive abundant life here and now, knowing that Jesus is exactly enough. It's what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 10, verse 10, when Jesus said to those who heard him, he said, I am here to give life and I'm here to give it abundantly. I'm here to give you more life than you would even ever dream is possible. And that just doesn't mean someday when you die in eternity, that truly means right here and right now, Jesus came to give you abundant life, more than you could ever dream of right here and right now. And why would Jesus do that? Because that's what Jesus does. Because in Jesus, there is always enough. There is always enough. Every single time. Jesus doesn't know the word scarcity or lack. In Jesus, there is always enough. And because this is true for us, because Jesus came to give us abundant life, I've got some really good news, kids. As you prepare here in a little bit to receive your first communion tonight, there are truths that we can hang on to because of what Jesus did and the things that Jesus said that night in that room and because of what Jesus was going to finish on the cross and in his resurrection just a couple of days later. I've got just a couple of things I want to talk through with you before we get on to the communion part of the night. And I just want to say unapologetically, these three things that I'm going to share with you, kids, I, I share these things with you specifically in mind. If you're receiving your first communion tonight, these words are for you. Adults, I think there'll be something in there for you as well, but these are specifically for all of you kids. The first thing I want you to know, kids, in light of everything that Jesus did, in light of his body and his blood being enough, being the forgiveness of sins once and for all, here's what this means. First, first thing that it means, when you don't know what else to do, just love people. When you don't know what else to do, just love love people. This is the example that Jesus gave us that night in that room, and this is certainly the example that Jesus gave us on the cross. I want you to think about something. When Jesus took this water, and when he kneeled down, when he kneeled down on the ground, do you realize he kneeled down before Judas? He submitted himself before Judas, knowing full well that Judas had already made the plan to sell him out for 30 pieces of silver, which amounts to about 200 bucks, which isn't enough to sell anybody out, let alone the Son of God. <clears throat> Jesus knelt down before Judas, and he washed his feet. Jesus knelt down before Peter, knowing that Peter was going to deny him, deny even knowing him, Jesus loved him. He served him. He washed his feet. Jesus knelt down before all of the disciples, knowing full well that when he was hanging on the cross and having the lowest moment of his earthly life, that when he looked out, he was not going to see any of the men in this room except for one, John. <laughs> and he knew that, and he loved them. He bowed down before them, and he washed their feet. He loved them. So in practical terms, here's what this means for you. Kids, it doesn't matter where you go to school. Just love people there. It doesn't matter where you work. Just love people there. If God wants you to do something different, if God wants to call you into a different place, I will guarantee you that God will make that abundantly clear. But in the meantime, just 
love people. Jesus said, this is my commandment. You've seen what I did for you. Now do unto others as I have done. Love one another as I have loved you. So when you don't know what else to do, just love people. Sometimes we think that maybe they don't deserve it, other people. (laughs) The disciples sure didn't. None of us do. The thing is, when we realize that not a single one of us deserves it, not a single one, and that didn't bother Jesus, he still gave his body, he still gave his blood, knowing full well that not one of us would deserve it. When we realize that, then all of a sudden it gets easier to do what Jesus did. Because if Jesus could hang from a cross knowing full well that we didn't deserve it, we can probably get on with the business of loving people. Okay, second thing that I want you to remember from what Jesus said and what Jesus did. God is always right on time. This whole meal is evidence that God is always right on time. At just the right time, God rescued his people from slavery. When Moses was risen up, raised in Pharaoh's home, when all of these circumstances came together at just the right time, God had been moving and putting these pieces together, and that's when God rescued his people from slavery. Hundreds of years go by, and there are leaders, and there are people who are raised up to lead lead God's people, and God is with each and every one of them. And as they wait for the Messiah, that they know has been promised to them, it was tempting for them to think that God had forgotten. It was tempting for them to think that God wasn't going to keep his promises. But this meal where Jesus breaks the bread and says, this is my body, this is proof that God is always right on time. Kids, I know that for some of you, oh man, it's so exciting. All of these exciting things that you have to look forward to and all these things that you're going to do in your life. And I know that the temptation is just wanting to get right to it, to get to it as fast as you can. I know, but God's right on time. Adults, we have the same problem. We want God to move on our timetable, don't we? We want the things that we pray about, the things that we lift up, we want God to move when, when we want him to move. And unfortunately, that just doesn't usually turn out that way. It doesn't usually happen that way. And we get in this place where we wonder where God is. This meal, all of the things that had to come together Those particular 12 disciples, Mary and Joseph walking the earth, Pilate, the Roman emperor, the Roman governor, all of those things that had to come together in just such a way, God was always moving. Friends, he is always moving in your life as well. You can know that because this is evidence of the way that God keeps his promises every single time. And the last thing I want to share with you tonight This is the most important one. If you don't remember a single other thing that we talk about, I want you to remember this. There is nothing that you can do to separate yourself from the love that God has for you. Not a single thing. We talked about the disciples and we talked about how not a single one of them, except for John, one out of 12, that's not very good. Only one of them was going to stand by Jesus. The rest of them were gonna run away. The rest of them were going to run away and hide. The rest of them were working as hard as they could, actually, to separate themselves from God. And what does Jesus do when he rises from the dead? He goes to the disciples and he says, I'm back. He doesn't 
ignore them. He doesn't, he doesn't give them a stern talking to for all the things that they got wrong. He just shows up and shows them alive and in the flesh that even though they tried to separate themselves from Jesus, they could not do it. And friends, the same is true for each and every one of you. Not only can you not separate yourself from the love of God through Jesus, God is pursuing you. God is pursuing you. We know that by the way that God showed up that night. And before they, the disciples even understood, while they were still stuck in, in sin and all that stuff before Jesus showed up or before Jesus went to the cross, God pursued them in this meal and said, I know this doesn't make any sense to you, but trust me, this is my body broken for you. It will make sense eventually. Right now it doesn't, but trust me. God's chasing after them, just like the song that we sang just a little bit earlier, the goodness of God, where we declare, God, your goodness is running after me. Not just passively watching to see what's gonna happen, but God is pursuing you. So when we find ourselves in this place like the disciples, where so many of us will, where it's easier to pretend or to say to someone that we don't necessarily know Jesus, that it's not that big of a deal in our life, guess what? Jesus has been there and he said yes to that person and he chased after that person, Peter. When we just kind of, want to, kind of want to forget who Jesus is, when we kind of want to separate ourselves from who Jesus is, because maybe it's all getting to be a little bit too much. Maybe we just feel like we want to go our own way for a little bit. Jesus says, I know you. I'm pursuing you. And guess what? You cannot separate yourself from me because my body was broken for you and it is enough. You cannot separate yourself from me because my blood was shed for you and it is more than enough for you. It doesn't matter what your story is. Do you understand that Jesus washed the feet of the man who would sell him out? So I don't know where you are, but this is for you. No matter what your story is, this is for you. Here in a few moments, we're going to come forward. And we're going to put our hands out like this, and we are going to receive this forgiveness and this love that Jesus' body was broken to give us. We're going to receive this mercy and this grace that Jesus' blood was shed to forgive us. Not that we would add this meal to our to-do list, things that we have to do to be a good Christian, but that we would come forward and we would just let grace fall into our hands. Friends, you get to have grace fall into your hands all the days of your life if that's what you want. And I pray that it is. But if there are days when you're not willing to receive it, I just want you to know God's chasing you. Nothing can separate you from him. And you can stop and you can receive any time it doesn't have to be during a meal like this tonight. It can literally be any time you want to receive that grace. You can receive it because it's given for us and for all people. And Jesus' body and his blood are enough. That's what this whole meal is about. God's love poured out for each and every one of us. No matter who you are no matter the reasons you think it might not be for you. If you can identify with one of the disciples, it is for you. On the night that Jesus gathered together, on the night that he would be betrayed, 
he looked out at his friends and these people that he had lived with and walked with and they had performed miracles. They knew each other better than people know anyone ever. And he knew, he knew they were going to try to separate themselves. He knew when the going got tough, they were going to go. And knowing, he took the bread. He lifted it up. And he said, thanks to our Heavenly Father for it. And then he gave it to them to eat, knowing. And he said, take and eat. Right as you are, right now. Take and eat and know that this is my body. Broken for you. It is enough. Remember me whenever you eat it. And then after supper, he took the cup. And again, he held up the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It is the new promise. It is the new invitation to grace and mercy. It is the new invitation for you. And it is poured out for all people, all people, those who deserve it or those who don't. It is poured out for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Drink it and remember me whenever you drink it. As we continue, we're going to pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. And as we do that, I'll invite the communion servers to come forward and the ushers to take their spots as well. The words uh, will be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, so kiddos, here we go. As you uh, are called forward by your ushers, you will just follow where they tell you to go. By the way, y'all have been so good. I've been watching you squirm, but you've been holding it together, and now it's time to go, right? Uh, so if you would benefit from an allergy-free station, they are over on the shower curtain walls. You can just let your usher know that that would be of a benefit to you. You can come forward, and as I said, you will receive the bread into your hands, and then you can grab a cup of either the dark-colored wine or the light-colored grape juice. This meal is for you. Everything is ready. Come and eat.